0: Hello, and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson. And I am sipping my coffee. This is Lucas (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bad timing. Uh, This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So Lucas, how's it going? Uh, You know, I know you're crazy busy right now. Um, How you doing?
1: Uh doing all right. It's uh it's going. Classes are going. Greek is I've, it's kicking my butt. My professor's pretty intense. Um my other classes are a little more like <laughs> enjoyable <laughs> if I can say that. Like um it's cool. Been doing a lot of interesting reading and having some interesting discussions in, in class and really enjoying my time here in seminary uh really also really just struck with how quickly i've been able to like build some community between church and fellow students it's just been a really big blessing so that's cool just started working literally today as we record this uh at chick-fil-a which is where my wife works she helped me get a job there and my pleasure i uh breaded chicken all day and it's intense dude
0: was it your pleasure to do it though
1: Yes, it has to be. I have to <laughs> I have to, to I have to get there. It, yeah, <laughs> I had a I had a big sort of crisis week last week of of just like having a bad attitude about everything and like realizing <laughs> like I need to not do that. <laughs> it's not okay. Ugh. But um but no, it was I'm very grateful for you know, being able to work. And they pay well and they're it's great people who work there. Um it is tough though. I am I just I feel so behind because I'm so exhausted but I have so much I have to do tonight <laughs> mm. that it's like I can't rest so I just feel like you know just pushing through it but hey that's that's life you know so busy but adjusting I think is how things mm. are going here what about for you
0: is that what's going to be your next tattoo it just says busy but adjusting on across your, my on your stomach bicep? yeah no, 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 my, <laughs> over my stomach
1: <laughs> oh, that's good
0: um yeah I mean things are going well here uh we're I don't know I feel like it's pretty much same old same old um, but just busy a lot of stuff going on um, my wife and I have sort of been making our way through the the Marvel movies so I don't know if you've ever seen all of them to this point I have not seen the majority of them mm-hmm. and that's because like a lot of them came out when we were in college mm-hmm. and especially when we were in Chicago like we just didn't have the money to go see movies very frequently you know i mean were you, there were times where we ever
1: on the movie pass train
0: We did, yeah. We had Movie Pass when we lived in the suburbs, and that was amazing. We went to a movie like several times a week. I I remember. Like we would just go because it was so, so cheap. But when we were in college, like at Moody, I remember you, me, um, our wives, and then like your brother, I think, or maybe somebody else. Like we went to um, Black Panther. Yeah. And like the it was at the AMC. Mm. The tickets (laughs) and the popcorn and drinks for just me and Hannah, like so just tickets drinks popcorn was 60 bucks for two people like at the, at the, for two people and we didn't even drive we
1: didn't even park
0: <laughs> no we ubered i'm pretty sure which yeah. someone else had to pay for, you know that cost or maybe we take the bus i think we took either whatever doesn't matter it was still like yeah i never do that all the time so i never like,
1: parked at that theater i always, we always took the bus or Ubered same, when we would go yeah. but i think parking was legitimately 25 or 30 dollars in the garage oh gosh, for so that is you know for them for a movie you know that's a couple. Like, like first bucks. of all, you're adding that to the price tag of the movie. But second of all, you're parking for a couple hours, maybe. Like a movie's, you know, two. A long movie is two and a half hours. You know, like I don't know. It is, just, it's, well, it's I that, mean, You gotta that, get there that, early. You gotta stay late for the end credits. Yeah, that was yeah. a crazy theater. It, I loved going Ugh. there. It was a really nice theater. That was,
0: <laughs> and Black Panther was a, a movie to make it worth it. But yeah, we all that to say, like we now that we have Disney Plus and mm-hmm. like time and stuff, like we've we've slowly been making our way through the series and i'm actually like really enjoying it like there's quite a few good movies there so that's kind of been i don't know i look forward to that each night when we're able to to watch a movie but
1: yeah that's super fun
0: yeah
1: awesome well what are we talking about today What are we talking about?
0: Talking about, like, theology, the Christian life, um, striving for unity, stuff like that. Cool,
1: cool. All right, sounds good. But I guess, like, more specifically... Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
0: More specifically, I guess, uh, we're talking about this idea of retrieval for the sake of renewal. And I guess this is something that we've talked about before. Um, You know, when we did those episodes Mm -hmm. on the Center for Baptist Renewal, specifically, that was um, a big part of what they do is wanting to... um, Sort of center and ground the Baptist tradition in the historic tradition, um, but more broadly, retrieval for renewal is the idea that um, we need our past in order to have a future, and so we're going to sort of spend this episode. Um, it's it's kind of like a response to last week. If you listen to our our episode from last Tuesday, we talked about I think four problematic areas within the church, within yeah. Christianity, especially within America. And so this is sort of like our overarching solution to a lot of those problems, because when we when we look at what's wrong, when we prescribe the, you know, the medicine to fix it, this is one that I think can touch on every single one of them and uh, I guess help us to be more faithful Christians, more historically rooted and grounded Christians. And I think I don't know, I'm really I'm I, I know like retrieval for the sake of renewal as like a movement is relatively new. Um, at least in circles that I follow, I know people have been doing it. Obviously, throughout all of church history, because we—that's liter- literally what church history is. But <laughs> I guess there seems to be there seems to have been a trend, especially in our youth. You know, in the seeker sensitive um, emergent church. Uh, you know, wanting to be relevant and attractive, like we we strayed away from our historic roots and we became uh, maybe more like you know, what the culture did, our music, our mm-hmm. setup, our, you know, the lights, the the band, everything we were doing was uh, in order to attract, in order to grow, in order to uh, make disciples or something, which are all like good and noble, I guess, objectives. Um, but when we strayed away from our historic roots, I think a lot of our theology also sort of fell by the wayside, so and, much so and that... thus,
1: our discipleship and making right, and up thus disciple, our, you know, the, the goals might right. be good, but... We have to also kind of remember part of the reason for this is we we see sort of a reaction against that method of being super seeker-focused and friendly and a little more, you know, sensitive to just cultural trends or norms or ways of, quote-unquote, doing church that are maybe more palatable for 21st century modern Americans, you know? Right. Um, so...
0: I mean, to think, to your point last week, when you talked about easy believism, that's a a very obvious child of the seeker-sensitive movement, Right. and to to see that it's... it's,
1: That's literally making it easy to go to church, which is great. On the surface, the problem is sort of like step two, you know? Right. Or, or, you know, and I would say, like, the reason it's a problem is there's not really a a meaningful step 2 Um. Mm. I know, you know, not to pick on this church specifically, because it, there's there's a lot about it that I actually do like, despite it being kind of everything I don't like about um, ecclesiology and church organization and stuff. But Willow Creek Church, mm. for those who aren't familiar, big, um, you know, mega church in the Chicago area area. Um, I they they at some at some point maybe this is something they do regularly I can't remember I should have looked it up ahead of time but they they did like a study of their people to basically figure out you know basically to quantify and figure out what forms of discipleship were effective in uh, facilitating people maturing in their spiritual walks um, hmm. and they kind of basically found that like people the way that Willow Creek was doing ministry in terms of preaching, teaching, that kind of ministry, um, people kind of grew out of Willow Creek. If they were gonna keep maturing, they would have to go, they would have to actually leave Willow Creek to find somewhere else where they could continue to grow because Willow Creek was was designed in such a way, at least at the time, their ministry was focused in such a way that it was really, really effective and helpful and working for new believers and, and, you know, seekers in the more general sense, not like right. seeker-friendly church movement kind of sense, but like those who actually were coming to church and hearing the gospel for the first time and responding to it. Um, the problem was if those people then a year, two years, three years down the road were continuing to grow and mature and develop and be more and more serious about their faith, they were running into sort of a ceiling um, where they weren't able to get the, you know— they, they weren't able to move from the milk to the solid food kind of, kind of a thing. Speaking um, of Hebrews. And, and I think that's a not unique or not rare uh, kind of situation to see when you have a way of doing church that is so you know, easy in the sense of accommodating to cultural preferences, um, maybe not challenging on a, on a theological or a spiritual level whether you're talking about churches who maybe don't actually preach repentance of sins, or maybe churches who keep things sort of, you know, Sunday school level in terms of complexity. Um, Whatever the case may be, um, it just seems to me that um, that is a very different way of doing church than the church has historically done. And more importantly, that is a way of doing church that makes it very difficult, if not impossible, to actually communicate the historic faith in a way that, you know, actually gives people the tradition, um, you know, tradition in this case being the in the broadest sense, the entire great tradition of of Christian history and worship and thought and theology and preaching um, it, it's it, it becomes very disconnected, or at least it can and often has. Um, and I think that is really, um, one way of sort of drilling down on like what the problem with that disconnect is, you know, it's a disconnect between us and our forebears in the faith. Um, and that, you know, like you were saying, it really goes hand in hand with, with some of the problems that we were discussing last week that we see so frequently when we are looking at the church in America. Um, and unsurprisingly, we see a lot of this kind of, you know, in the evangelical movement, you know, in the last hundred years, it's kind of been the point. It's very, you know, free church, non-denominational, just sort of, you know, a, a very generically evangelical approach to to worship and, and church and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think of the big crusades and revivals where you go up and you pray a prayer and, and you kind of just, that's it, you know. Um, as opposed to other ways of looking at what the church is and what the church does for people and to people <laughs> um, that I think are a little more clear when you start going back to history. Um, and I think that's a really good, really important thing to keep in mind when we're talking about you know the value of and sort of not really the value but like the motivation that we might have, you know, being in the church today. To be adamant about going back to our tradition you know
0: right yeah and i think maybe to help define and understand what retrieval for renewal is um you know i think it's helpful i this this book has been really good by gavin ortland um, it's called theological retrieval for evangelicals why we need our past to have a future and it's it's come up before i don't remember what context but i remember we we mentioned it in a previous episode um but but gavin's whole whole point here is what we're talking about retrieval for renewal and he says that that many today lack a sense of objective meaning we're starved of transcendence community stability we're aching to find something big to live for we feel listless adrift and barren our standard of living has risen but so have our suicide rates. We are smarter, but more uncertain. Surrounded with pleasure, but less fulfilled. Able to do almost anything, but uncertain whether to do anything. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's very broadly speaking. But but theologically, uh, you know, when we when we've grown up in this, um, you know, just really barren and empty, um, hollow at times, theological system, it's going to produce empty hollow and, and, and barren believers. And he makes the point that poorly catechized evangelical teachers produce poorly catechized students. And so when we have, when we have pastors and teachers who are not actually preaching the word, not actually expositing scripture, but are giving (laughs) to bring up Marvel and Avengers again, you know, at the movies sermon series, like that, that's the sort of thing that that's, that's not substance. That's not historical, um, Biblical Christianity—it's—it's it's like we're gonna talk and sprinkle Bible verses in Marvel and whatever other movie is popular at the time. Um, and so when when we're, when we're talking about retrieval for renewal, we're talking about like like Lucas kind of mentioned going back to our roots. And when we think about maybe the Protestant Reformation, maybe you, maybe a lot of us see ourselves as as, as heirs of the Reformation. Um, you know, I'm wearing, I'm wearing my John Calvin shirt today. I have. Um, you know, all kinds of reformers on my bookshelf. Uh, the reformers, as we've said countless times, were not trying to start a new religion. Uh, they were retrieving the one holy Catholic apostolic religion. They were they were going back to um, what they thought were core tenets of, of Christianity. They, they looked at the Catholic Church. They looked at, um, you know, some of the papal infallibility, selling of indulgences, doctrines on justification, um, purgatory, like just some of the things that were popular and prevalent at the time, they looked at those things and they said, these are not biblical. We need to get back to biblical roots and biblical understandings. And so even these people that we hold up on pedestals, um, I mean, like Calvin quoted the fathers almost more than he quoted scripture. I mean, Calvin is a student of Augustine, if there was ever a student of Augustine and to, to, to retrieve these things, uh, it means we're, we're going back back to them. We're, we're calling them forward. We're, um, reading, you know, patristic fathers reading. Um, I don't know, like (laughs) Lucas can probably list a lot more than, than I can, as far as like some of the good old stuff, but we're, we're looking back at our, our roots as, as Christians and not seeing it as a bad thing, as something to fear, but as seeing it as something to, um, use in order to help us go forward and be more faithful Christians.
1: Yeah. And, if you listening are maybe like not so sure that it matters not so sure it's that big a deal or maybe wouldn't have that big an impact you know think back to like high school history when we learned about the renaissance you know that period you know leading up to and kind of right around the time of the reformation where culture you know art Uh, science history there was just this explosion in learning in western europe and the you know without that period of of you know rebirth that's what renaissance means um a lot of what we know of as as you know like late medieval and and early modern western culture doesn't really exist western european culture doesn't exist because we they don't have access to those to those you know that knowledge that they were that they were gaining, but what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is how did the Renaissance happen? It wasn't just a bunch of people sitting around and coming up with all these great new insights that you know to art or literature or history or science um, that they didn't have before. Um, I, I don't know if if listeners maybe can think back to their history classes and, and maybe remember this phrase, but the 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 rallying cry of the renaissance was actually kind of the same thing was actually the same rallying cry as 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 the one for the reformation which is ad fontes back to the sources or to the sources Mm. how were they able to make all these advances in architecture during the renaissance they went back to the sources how were they able to make all these advances in literature they were Going back to the ancient literature that they had forgotten about because it had been lost through centuries of history, but it had been rediscovered. You know what? You know, in the same way, um, the Reformation represents sort of a theological Renaissance because it's not a new religion, it's not a new church. It's hey, we're not doing things biblically anymore. Let's fix that. And how do I know we're not doing things biblically? Because the Bible says this. Because this 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 and this church father and council from the last thousand years say this and you're doing something different they went back to the sources rather than just continuing on with the present you know it's funny like the the reformers were really critiquing rome for being too uh for being too innovative and modern not for being too traditional, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it wasn't traditional enough for them. It wasn't traditional Christianity. So we go back to the sources, um, you know, scripture being the, the the final source, if you will, but um, the head of all the other sources, the 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 source of the other sources. But um, but at the end of the day, that's what they were doing, and that's that's exactly what we're talking about continuing. Um, or or doing it in in our own context at least when we say retrieval for the sake of renewal and and, you know i think that that's something or something that is worth pointing out is 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 we we did a few episodes on the center for baptist renewal um the work that they're doing you know specifically with regard to um you know, retrieval for the sake of renewing the Baptist tradition it, by by sort of reattaching the Baptist tradition to the to the rest of the church um, in in a, in a in terms of theological study and influence, um, and more broadly, um, we can point to uh, the Davenant Institute is a really great organization, kind of doing the same kind of thing for a, a more broadly Protestant uh, scope, not not necessarily honed in on. On, on one tradition within Protestantism. Um, but these are great resources that are examples of people doing retrieval for the sake of renewal. Um, they're retrieving, you know, the Davenant Institute, uh, You know, I have a, a book by them. It's a modern English translation of Richard Hooker's, the first part of Richard Hooker's Laws of Ecclesiastical Polity, which was one of the most influential Anglican texts of the, of the 16th century. And I have access to that in modern English in a affordable paperback because of the work of retrieval that the Dalvin Institute is doing for renewal of you know our Protestant uh, Christian tradition today. And it, it's just you know we could go on and on I guess with examples of like people and books and organizations who are like doing this kind of thing or kind of represent what we're talking about. Um, but I just think it's really it's really interesting to be able to point back to not only the Reformation um, and not only other periods of church history, but even the like something not related to the church directly, like the Renaissance really was a time of retrieval for the sake of renewal, and it's so interesting, like, because it's so unchurchy, you know, it's non-theological, but it's this, it, you know, if it worked for them, it kind of is like a, a test case almost, like, like, yeah, you know, this is this is exactly what needs to be done whenever things go off the rails is go back to the sources, retrieve those sources to renew the present and especially for the future. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I might be rambling at this point, but um, no,
0: I mean, it's all it's all good and helpful. I you know, the reason that I really like <clears throat> excuse me, the, really, the reason I really like this idea of retrieval for renewal um, when we consider that we have a history i mean you can't the church didn't just magically appear 10 years ago 20 years ago and has to forge its way forward you know we as we've said in again in previous episodes you know we're standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us and they have a lot of wisdom they have a lot of insight there are a lot of things that they can contribute you know i'm reading a book on um again another gavin ortland book but it's it's his um it's a you know this the first book was a retrieval for renewal broadly and then this book on Augustine's um, Doctrine of Creation is a very specific example of how we can retrieve, you know, one person's doctrine to help us think about, you know, a modern controversy uh, regarding creation. And it's and it's fascinating because uh, when you go back to the 300s and the 400s and you look at the way that Augustine thought about creation and the way that his contemporaries thought about creation is far different from the way that we think about creation in the 21st century and so how can he speak into our current situation to help us move forward Mm -hmm. um, instead of you know remaining stagnant or even moving backwards Um, because again by God's grace and his mercy he has given teachers and pastors and historians all throughout church history and I think there's a little bit a, a hint of arrogance to think that only we have all the answers and can you know forge our way forward on our own so it's 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 an important thing to to consider that, you know, whatever the problem might be, you know, whether it's um, nationalism, whether it's racism. I mean, I know some of these problems are never gonna be eradicated, but like to read, you know, what did the medieval church teach on, na- you know, nationalism? What would the early fathers thought, like what would they have thought of, you know, worship of, of country, of, of state? I think they have a lot to contribute a lot, to offer a lot to say on, on these even modern pressing issues. And that's not to say that all retrieval is good retrieval. I'm sure there, are, you know, just because it's old doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, worth <laughs> retrieving. There, there are things that if we read it would be, you know, problematic. And I think any, anytime you do anything, you need to be fair. You need to um, read with an open mind, but also a critical mind to, to hold tightly to the things that are core doctrines and tenets, you know, like justification by faith alone, uh, the Trinity, the resurrection, you know, some of these things obviously do not stray from. Um, but if, if you're somebody who's living today and, you know, to use creation again, as an example, if you're somebody who, you know, struggles with some of the, the conversations about evolution versus young or old earth, you know, reading what Augustine had to say about creation can be like cathartic. It can be, um, really insightful it can help you realize that like okay i don't have to think in these only these two types of ways i can i can think about creation more more broadly um so i don't know i again i know there's probably a ton that we could say uh, regarding retrieval for renewal but i think you know maybe the best thing that we could do is just maybe tell the listeners so anybody who, who who listens if you listen to us a lot if you're new to the podcast like Uh, moving forward retrieval for renewal is going to be something that we we're not we're not going to become a podcast that does retrieval for renewal it's not like we're going to like you know talk about creation because we want to retrieve it to renew it Um, but I think it's going to sort of undergird everything that we do from from this point forward because I think I don't know if you agree, Lucas, but even even without using those words, I think that's kind of what we've been doing with this podcast. You know, the ways that we've talked about, um, like you had that episode really early on about Mount Zion, um, and we've had episodes about theosis, and even our episode about creation was different from, you know, one that you might expect. And so like the ways that we discuss our theology, um, you know, you being Anglican, me being Reformed-ish, I've been, Refo- <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, I've been referring to myself as Reformed-ish. Uh, because I don't feel super comfortable being identified as you know full blo- full blown reformed. Because if I say that, people probably jump to conclusions. Um, but that might be I, an interesting
1: would... future discussion, uh, and, and particularly in light of um, what it means to to retrieve and renew something. Right. Um, I don't know. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree, and that, that's what I'm saying. So, like the the things that we are going to be talking about going forward, like like i said it's going to undergird it's going to support it's going to help us do the things that we do on this podcast because the things that we care about you know i don't know if people find it cheesy or if they like it but when we say that you know this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the christian faith like we're really intentional in that language like that that road um that is the christian faith we're we're hearkening back to the road to emmaus where Jesus walks with the two disciples at first, they don't recognize him, but he's opening up the scriptures and revealing himself in the old Testament to these two weary, probably really down on themselves, you know, apostles and and disciples, because like, they still think that, you know, Jesus is, is dead. Um, but to have him opening up his word and to review I, I just like would like to imagine what it was like to be on that road to hear some of the things that that <laughs> Jesus said when their their hearts were burning within them as they mm-hmm. as they heard him teach like that that imagery is a powerful you know message to convey that this is what Jesus does in, in yeah. giving new life to believers in you know giving us new hearts hearts of flesh not hearts of stone. Um, this is what this is what he does in the life of believers and so as we as we journey on that road with him throughout life, you know we talk about theology, we talk about contemporary issues, um whatever it might be but we're we're striving to retrieve whatever it might be for the sake of again being more faithful, more loving, more charitable, more hospitable, mm-hmm. just better Christians
1: yeah and I think it's a, a good way to put it like it like you said, this isn't a podcast dedicated to retrieval for a sake of renewal. That's a theme that, you know, it, you've, you've already alluded to and, and gave some examples. This isn't new to us. You know, it's not new to what we talk about off air and on air on the podcast. Um, by any stretch, it's something that's really, really captured our attention for, for quite a few months now, like explicitly it's captured my heart. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> And, and it's something that we've talked about a lot. And I think that you brought up the, the episode on theosis uh, that we did a while back. I think that's a really, really great example because it's so stark um, where we were literally reaching back into, you know, from the standpoint of Western Protestant Christians to talk about a doctrine of theosis and explore that. We, we're literally... In many ways reaching back into history and plucking something from you know the the fruit of our forebears that is completely new to us in so many ways completely foreign from how we formulate and discuss our soteriology and yet it's always been there you know not only was it there uh, when peter and paul wrote about it not only was it there in the early church not only is it there in the east but it's always been part of our tradition and And it's something that we don't talk about. So how can we retrieve a doctrine of theosis in order to digest it, understand it, unpack it, and renew, um, you know, renew, not create something new, uh, not do something different, but renew our soteriology, the way we understand our salvation. How can it shape the way we talk about justification and sanctification? How can it shape the way we look forward to the hope of the resurrection? in light of what what the, the Bible and the church teaches us about deification. Like, this is a really good, you know, I almost wonder if it would be interesting, you know, if, if you listened to that episode and, and didn't think of it in these terms, to, to kind of go back and rethink the conversation in light of the idea of retrieval, um, I think might be might be kind of interesting, because it just, it really was, that's, you know, in that episode more than any other, I think that's what we were doing. Um, and I think it just kind of shows like this theme is something that, that is super important and it means a lot to us. And, and it's something that um, we, it, we care about because we think it's just good for the church, you know, and, and we, nothing's, you know, this isn't, an, an, like, this isn't a pod, an episode telling you that our podcast is changing, like nothing's changing because nothing needs to change. But it's more like in light of all these, you know, painful, difficult, problematic things we talked about. In our last episode, we kind of wanted to be like, you know, originally this was going to be an episode where we had three or four positive things we saw to kind of, you know, respond to the negatives with some positives. But as we were talking about it over the last week, we were like, we could do that. But like really like talking about retrieval for, for renewal is sort of like we said at the beginning, it is responding to those problems. It is, uh, Reflecting on how we can move forward from all these issues that we pointed out before, because this is the primary tool that the church is going to need to use, in our view at least, in order to um, refine and prune and mature uh, the way that we speak and teach and act in light of um, various issues and more generally just before God and and before the world. And I think that, um, yeah, I just think that it's a really exciting topic. You know, I love reading church history. I love reading um, primary sources of fathers and medievals and reformers. And um, I hope that, that, you know, kind of naming it and talking about it a little more extensively and explicitly kind of like stirs that up in, in you, our listeners to, to kind of recognize maybe the ways that you've heard it in our podcast or our discussions, or maybe the ways you have heard other people do it or that you've seen or a book you've read, you know, um, or, or maybe to dive in, you know, look into, um, the recent Ortland books, the the center for Baptist renewal, the Davenon Institute, the, the resources that those places have, you know, the Davenon Institute publishes books. They've got all kinds of things, short introductions, uh, Modern translations of primary sources, like all, longer collections of essays, like all kinds of different resources. And the Center for Baptist Renewal has a bibliography um, from from their fellows that of, of things that they've published. So so many amazing resources are really at our fingertips in this day and age. And and um, specifically so many great resources and opportunities to dive into this idea of retrieving the great tradition, bringing it into, um, you know, or not even bringing it into our church today, but recognizing that we are a part of this great tradition, and then actually using the resources that that great tradition gives us in order to better live out our call as the church to make disciples of all nations. Um,
0: I, I really like that point that you made because when 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 you said that, you know, it's not we're not trying to bring it into our church, you know, to to add on we're. What, mm that recognition that we are part of this great tradition, that we are part of this global church. And, and when I think about like our time at Moody is where I first really began to sort of recognize some of these undertones of retrieval for renewal. I mean, there are a lot of people who are going to Anglican, Lutheran, very liturgical churches. And to me, that was just completely foreign. I mean, I had never seen an Anglican church. I'd, I barely knew what an Anglican church was. Um, and I had this, I, I never went to one, um, but I had this, my, my roommate and a couple of friends on my floor, um, they did. And I, I remember just having some really interesting conversations as we, I don't know, I think, I think our, our generation, especially this younger generation, um, I like, I'm just going to read another ex- ex- excerpt real quick because I like how he says it. He says that, and this is Gavin Ortland, he says that we have a deep thirst for historical rootedness. Uh, that is evidently not being meant in many current evangelical contexts. Um, He says, uh, many younger evangelicals today have a profound sense of emptiness and dislocatedness um, and they are aching for the ancient, um, for transcendence, for tradition, for that which has stability and substance. And many of us simply aren't finding that in our evangelical churches and institutions today. And I think I I, I recognize that too. I, I realize that in some of the churches I've been to, I realize that in some of my classes at Moody and in talking to other Moody students who weren't where you know my, my roommate was, um, just this, yeah, this this longing for something deeper, more transcendent, something that's historically rooted. And so I, yeah, I like that. Again, this isn't this isn't just a how do you make your church better this isn't just another one of those like trendy relevant things to add on to what you're already doing but this is really trying to go back to to recognize that we are a part of this ever-flowing stream and it will continue um flowing even when we've left this world but i don't know maybe it's just helpful to wrap up here and and we'll say that you know retrieval for renewal is cool
1: (laughs) very very cool We are recording this episode on September 14th, which is the Feast of the Holy Cross. So I'm going to say a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer um, for Holy Cross Day and kind of pray us out with that. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, was lifted high upon the cross that he might draw the whole world to himself, mercifully grant that we, who glory in the mystery of our redemption, may have grace to take up our cross and follow him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. O God, the source of all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Light in our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and danger, dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you for, for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email if you're uh, you know, from the 1990s. Uh, <laughs> doxologypodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Talk about retrieval for renewal. <laughs> Let's retrieve email for the renewal of conversation. I am us at... No, we can't. Uh, no, aim. You gotta hit us up on aim at Doxology Podcast. Uh, we'd love your feedback, your questions, episode ideas. Uh, let us know some of the things that you like about retrieval for renewal maybe you've you know dabbled in retrieving as well what 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 resources are you utilizing Um, check out logos.com slash toxology podcast sign up for our newsletter we'd love to hear from you